Good morning, everybody. I'm Teresa Moyer. I'm the associate pastor here at Conshohocken Vineyard Church, and welcome to our live stream broadcast. Whether you're listening on Sunday morning or you are listening in the car on your way to the beach or wherever you are today, we just welcome you and thank you for joining us today. Happy first Sunday of summer. I hope some of you enjoyed yesterday at the beach together at our family beach day. Steve and I already had a pre-existing uh, family obligation and joyful party with his side of the family yesterday, so we had to miss it, but we hope you guys had a great time. We certainly had hot enough weather for it to be at the beach is the best place to be when something's in the high 80s, or maybe sitting by a pool somewhere, or if you're a kid and you love running through a sprinkler system, water is a big part of summer, isn't it, right? And even if it's just like pouring it on our heads because it's so hot outside. And I've been thinking a lot about water lately. You know, granted, I have a pool and I wait till the day that I can open the pool and enjoy the water all summer. But last week, or actually a couple weeks ago, in kids' ministry, we were using um, water in our lesson to teach us about the legacy of our faith. The question they asked the kids in the curriculum was, who built the wells that we drink from? And of course, in biblical times, in the desert, if somebody didn't dig a well, there was, no even, there was even no way to access water at all. And you can imagine how hot that place was. The scripture verse they had to learn was from the prophet Isaiah. For I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. See, God used water as an image for himself, for his Holy Spirit, for his presence, which is like water on a thirsty ground in our lives. In the lesson, Isaac discovered wells that his grandfather Abraham had dug. And the lesson asked the kids to reflect on and thank God for those who had dug wells in their lives, the legacy makers for their faith, those who had helped connect them to the living water of God. Last week on Father's Day, Rich said the best thing we can do for our children is to bring them to Jesus. And when we do this, we dig wells of connection to the living water of God's spirit. Jesus explained it sitting beside a well like this as he told the Samaritan woman that if she drank the water from this well, she would be thirsty again. But he went on to say, whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the water he was speaking about was the Holy Spirit of God. So we're going to look at today who dug our wells, who led us to see the kingdom of God, who led us to know Jesus, and who brought us from our first glimpses of faith to the place where we are today, walking in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, experiencing the living water of God's presence. These are the legacy makers in our lives. They help shape and form us. And it's important to God that we take time to honor, learn of, remember, and thank God 
for those who have left us a legacy of God's living water. It helps us to see who we are, what it costs for us to get where we are now, how we can dig wells for future generations to know the living water of God. It helps us clarify our identities and move into the fullness that God has made us to be and do on this earth. These are the folks who have cast vision into our lives. And the Proverbs tell us, without a vision, people perish. This is what we've been trying to do with this sermon series. Cast vision for a naturally supernatural lifestyle. We hope to cast a vision not only for what's supernaturally possible in God's kingdom, but to show how absolutely natural the supernatural is for the children of God. It's who we are. There are many folks who have been a part of my legacy, bringing me to God, but none have been more influential than those who have taught me how to live a naturally supernatural life, my, meters, my leaders in the Vineyard Church movement. Today we're going to take a look at the gift of the Vineyard Church legacy. We're going to look at who we are as the Vineyard Movement and what we, together with thousands of other churches, have been invited into, which is a naturally supernatural life. For me, learning about and becoming a part of the Vineyard was one of the most important, exciting, and joyful shifts of my life. And when I hear and tell the stories of what set this mo movement into motion and the acts of God along the way, I get reignited with his fire. And I hope you will too today. So let's take a minute and ask God for his blessing. Jesus, we just thank you for all you are. We thank you that you are so much more real than we know. We thank you you have so much more to give us so that we can give you away to others. We thank you that your spirit moves through us, cleanses us, and makes us agents of your kingdom. And that you love to use our lives supernaturally. It's no big deal for you as we just rest and let you do it through us. So Lord, we pray you birth something new in us today as we hear these stories and learn more about who our people are and why we love this tribe so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as a vineyard family, our legacy is comparatively young when you think about the history of the body of Christ. It started in the mid-70s. There's a big, like, Jesus movement in the West Coast. Hippies were coming in drove because these teenagers and young adults wanted to know the real experience of God. They hadn't had any, any hope or help with drugs or sex or rock and roll. And everything that they had sought to be enlightened was a disappointment. And when they learned about Jesus, they came by the vanfuls, VW vanfuls. In 1975, Ken Gullickson, as a part of Calvary Chapel Association, was encouraged to start the first vineyard churches. Calvary released him to start his own little vein of the Calvary churches because he was more focused on the naturally supernatural life of the gifts of the Spirit. By 82, there were seven vineyard churches, and Pastor John Wimber was clearly... Um, identified as someone who should be the overseer of this newly formed association of vineyard churches. I'm going to tell you a little bit about John Wimber, the man credited with being the founder of the vineyard movement. 
Most of what I am going to be sharing with you today about the history of the church is found on this website. You are all welcome to attend this website anytime you want to learn a lot about our movement, our history, our vision for the future, um, and, and our founder. There's a lot on there, and it's very, very inspiring. When John was conscripted by God in the mid-60s, he was, in the words of Christianity today, a beer-guzzling, drug-abusing pop musician who was converted at the age of 29 while chain-smoking his way through a Quaker-led Bible study. In John's first decade as a Christian, he led hundreds of people to Christ. By 1970, as a lay leader in the Quaker Church of Yorba Linda, he was leading 11 Bible studies that included more than 500 people. John became so fruitful as an evangelical pastor, he was asked to lead the Charles E. Fuller Institute of Evangelism and Church Growth at the Fuller Seminary in California. He became an expert in church growth without even realizing that it was God's gifting that made him so good at it. When he became so busy and burned out, God told him, you know, John, I have seen your church, and now I'm going to show you mine. On Mother's Day in 1980, a guest speaker named Lonnie Frisbee taught on the power of God and the spiritual gifts. And at the end of the sermon, he prayed those iconic words that we know so well here at the Vineyard, Come, Holy Spirit. And boy, did he. People fell, bodies were flying, electricity going through, people are shaking, weeping, laughing, crying out to God. One guy had his mouth next to a microphone and started praying in tongues so loud that it overwhelmed the entire church. John was furious. He went home and told God that he had ruined his church, and he was angry for a while. But after a while, God got a hold of him. And he became more comfortable with the moves of the Holy Spirit and more convinced that the supernatural was to be a natural experience for all followers of Jesus Christ. And he wanted his church to do the stuff of Jesus. He wanted his people to be naturally supernatural. I'm going to share with you a video, and many of us have already seen this video, but it, it bears repeating and it's fun to watch. And for those of you who are new or visiting today, it gives you an idea of how it all began. So let's just listen to John. As I read the New Testament, I fell in love with Jesus. Didn't you? I liked him. I liked what he was like. I liked the things he did. I liked the things he said. Didn't you like those things? I thought that stuff was hot. I liked it when he multiplied the bread. Did you like that one? Huh? How about it? Did you like that? And the fishes, you know, the sardines. I always picture sardines. I like that stuff. I like all that stuff, you know? I liked it when he went by the fig tree and said, mm, you know? <laughs> and it died. Can you picture him doing that? I like all that stuff. I like it. I remember last night, come forth. That's a biggie, you know? I mean, that's hot. There's not many guys doing that come forth thing, you know, telling anybody to come up from the dead. I liked all that stuff. And when I became a Christian, I thought that's what I was going to do. I spent several weeks reading the New Testament and talking with these people, and I thought, this is great. You know, I'm going to join up. I want to do this stuff. And so I remember the frustration of attending church the first few times. You know what I thought they did at church? I thought you, that people gathered at the church, had a good time together, sort of divvied up the land, and then everybody went out and healed a few, cast out a few demons, and won a few people to Christ before lunch. 
And so the first few times I went to church, I went prepared with the idea that we're going to, you know, ha, I'm going to take Anaheim. I want to go to Anaheim, you know, the deepest, darkest pagan Anaheim over there by Disneyland. That's where I want to go because that's where I was raised. And when they didn't do it, I was disappointed. And I remember one day asking a guy about it. I said, well, when do we go out and do it? He said, what? I said, when do we go out and do it? He says, oh, you don't have to do it. You just have to believe it was done once. Now that's pathetic, isn't it? I found out over the next year or two that we cried about it, we sang about it, we preached about it, we prayed over it, we gave to it, but we never did it. We never got to go do the things that Jesus did. And I grew disillusioned in the process. Now, you know, when I worked for the devil, he let me do his stuff. Did he let you do his stuff? He let me do his stuff. But when I came to work for Jesus, they didn't want to let me do his stuff. And I, to tell you the truth, I joined up to do the stuff. Did you? You see, it's doing the stuff that's going to change the world. It's not knowing it was done once. It's not knowing that it's important. It's doing it that's going to change the world. Somewhere, someplace, somebody's got to start believing this book and acting on it. And I figure it might as well be us. We're qualified. And we understand that it can be done. As John and his congregation, mostly made up of former Quakers, sought God in intimate worship, they experienced empowerment by the Holy Spirit, significant renewal in the gifts, and conversion growth. His desire was to keep the vineyard movement in the tension of what he called the radical middle, embracing both the gifts of the evangelical tradition and the gifts of the Pentecostal charismatic traditions. John's perspective could be captured in this saying. I love this saying. All word and no spirit, we dry up. All spirit and no word, we blow up. With the spirit and the word, we grow up. And that's the vision for this church, to disciple and mature believers of Jesus. Calling ourselves empowered evangelicals, the vineyard seeks to blend the best of the evangelical traditions with their focus on Christ-like character and regard for the scriptures, with the best of the Pentecostal and charismatic traditions of welcoming the empowering of the Holy Spirit for life, ministry, and acts of service. We seek to be naturally supernatural people. This year, the vineyard celebrates 40 years. And what started small has turned into an international movement. Today, there are 2,400 plus vineyards around the world in 95 countries, and we're growing. You never know how one person's life can impact the entire body of Christ.
Wimber's most significant legacy is the Vineyard Movement, but he left a broad impact on evangelical churches around the world. He pioneered a new openness among mainstream evangelicals to the supernatural, to the present-day work of the Spirit, in a way that had previously only been known in Pentecostal and charismatic streams. I shared with you when I went to the Nurture Conference a month and a half ago that these Baptists were enjoying learning about moving in the Spirit of God. I love to see cessationist people all of a sudden recognize there is a Holy Spirit who is still working among us today. John Wimber's life and legacy had a lot to do with impacting mainstream evangelicalism. He taught people how to be naturally supernatural. Now, I joined the Vineyard in 1994. It's the best decision I ever made. Just in time for the biggest move of God on the planet in nearly 100 years. And in retrospect, I feel really honored that God brought me in right at that time. Although in the time, I thought, oh, dear Lord, God, I just went from some crazy church. Now I'm going into this crazy church. It was really kind of like, what is happening? But through a move of God that was called the Toronto Blessing, God moved in power on the Airport Vineyard Church in Toronto, Canada in the mid-90s, and the whole world was impacted. This outpouring of God's Spirit influenced the Brownsville Revival of 1995 to 2000, the Lakeland Revival in 2008 that occurred later in Florida, New church veins and ministries grew out of this amazing outpouring as the fire spread all over the Western Hemisphere and impacted the whole world. Harvest International Ministries, the pastor, Che An, after attending this outpouring, had years of services of the Holy Spirit power. And HIM has planted thousands of churches in over 60 countries. Iris Global, Heidi Baker, after attending the meetings in Toronto, went back to Mozambique and in the years since, along with her husband, Roland, has planted more than 10,000 churches throughout Africa and Asia. Bethel Church, one year after Bill Johnson, a pastor in Weaverville, California, visited the Airport Vineyard Church. He took over as the senior pastor of Bethel Reading in California, and Bethel has become, become known as a place of supernatural healing, impartation, and ministry training as a result of what occurred in Toronto. Nikki Gumbel, the current vicar of Holy Trinity Brompton, the biggest Anglican church in the United Kingdom, has been quoted as saying that the Toronto blessing was the kickstart that the Alpha Course needed. Thank God for Randy Clark, who went to visit John Arnott at the Vineyard Church and brought this amazing visitation of the Holy Spirit. And their ministries have expanded all over the globe. I had the opportunity to go to Toronto. And when I was there, I witnessed and experienced thousands of people worshiping together, where people were broken and weeping before God in adoration or repentance or intercession for the world as a group. On another night, they would be laughing with such joy that they couldn't stand up anymore. Bodies all over the floor. I went to a prayer room where people lined up with blankets and pillows to go lay down in the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
And as I, I lay next to a Japanese woman, I watched as a lay leader of the church prayed in tongues over her as she lay next to me on the floor. Pastor John Arnott came up and asked the woman's friend, do you understand what he's saying? He speaks in this tongue all the time, but we don't know if it's really Japanese or just a heavenly language. She then translated the tongue for him. It was indeed Japanese, but the man praying didn't speak a word of Japanese. Sounds like Pentecost to me. This power followed us back to Pennsylvania whenever someone visited. And our new church plant, pastored by Robert Palumbo, held weekly renewal services for the tri-state area for months. The impact of this renewal empowered the naturally supernatural ministries of our church and the churches in our area. I have seen in my time people healed of deafness, back injuries, joint issues, marriage problems, un- or underemployment, emotional and spiritual brokennesses, brokenness. I have witnessed infertile couples conceive. I have received and given countless words of knowledge, poignant prophetic words that made me breathless to this day. I watched the Bible literally come off the page as I read it because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I experienced deep and intimate connection with God through worship that brought deep healing and joy and connection to my life. I've seen countless people fall to the ground under the power and presence of God as something like electricity or warm, glowing heaviness overcomes their body. I've experienced myself more times than I can count. More importantly, I have watched as people fall more in love with Jesus and more desirous of taking the naturally supernatural life into the world. I have seen and become what I'd like to think is a naturally supernatural person myself. No hype, no weirdness, just God's love and power through us to our world. And I wouldn't change or trade this church for the world. The vineyard values over the last 40 years have evolved but stayed true to the core of who we are. On the Vineyard USA website, you can find the following eight tenets of what we believe as a people. Number one, the main and the plain. Our experience of the kingdom of God is rooted in the words and works of Jesus. We teach the Bible and the main and the plain of the kingdom. We stay naturally supernatural. The already and the not yet of the kingdom of God. God's kingdom is here. It is already. But it is also not fully here. It is not yet. That means we have a theology both for suffering and for signs and wonders. And we do not use this paradigm to justify the prosperity gospel or the name it and claim it teachings. We live in the tension between the already and the not yet and embrace both as God commands and directs our lives, trusting that he is good and he knows what he's doing. We live in the radical middle as naturally supernatural people. This one will be familiar to you all. Come, Holy Spirit. We need a constant filling and refilling of the Holy Spirit. As this, and this ancient prayer is an invitation for the Spirit to come and refill us again. Yes, he always lives in us. 
But there are times we need more of him. We need to refocus our lives and re-infuse with his presence and power. Because the world will come right up into us and crowd what he's doing out unless we come back to him for more and more. Here's a favorite one of John Wimber's. Everyone gets to play. We believe that anyone can do the work of the kingdom. We do not have elite or superstar leaders. We are all commissioned. I love this about this church. As Sloan taught us a couple weeks ago and Paul and the apostle taught us millennia ago, as we eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, God releases them more and more into us, through us to others as we fulfill our God-given destiny on this earth building wells everywhere we go. We naturally use these supernatural gifts. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. You'll be loved, no matter what state you're in when you come to the vineyard. But we also believe that Jesus can and will and wants to change us into his image. So we say yes to each thing he shows us along the way. Uh, this might be, be a little bit familiar with you, for you. Naturally supernatural. A tenet we're, be, we're teaching on for weeks here this summer. We avoid all hype or emotional manipulation. Going about our lives naturally, we pray for healing and listen for God's voice in all circumstances. In this way, we never get the credit. It's all about God. doesn't matter whether we believed enough or how faithful we've been. God gets the glory and the credit without any baggage. We just come, and like Rich said last week, bring that mustard seed of faith just enough to to pray. That sometimes is all it takes. Remember the poor. In all this talk about the Holy Spirit and all the other statements, it can easily be lost for us to not think about how important the poor was to Jesus. See, we lean toward the poor, the outcast, the lost, the outsider, with the compassion of Jesus, because we're all in need in some way. And Jesus didn't say, whatever you do for the least of them, you do for me. He said, whatever you do to the least of them, you do to me. When we remember and serve the poor, we are ministering to Jesus himself. This is a very important distinction. So I encourage you to consider allowing your lives to be a little bit more, all of our lives to be a little bit more involved with remembering the poor. And lastly, be a history maker. Be a well digger. Be someone who helps others connect to the living water of God. We simply believe that God is speaking and acting through ordinary people today. And we are naturally supernatural people looking to dig wells for the Holy Spirit's water simply by living our lives in his presence. We're all part of the vineyard legacy. We're ordinary people who do extraordinary things because of the amazing God who loves us, died for us, lives in us, and pours his living water into us, gives us awesome gifts which are only fun when we give them away. We are naturally supernatural, kingdom of God people. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for bringing us into this family. Our local CVC family, 
our American vineyard family, our global vineyard family, the body of Christ universal. We're just one thread in the great tapestry that you have built of your body. Help us to play our parts well. Help us to sing the melodies that you give us, to weave the colors that are yours for us in this world. Lord, I pray that you would continue to pour your giftings through us in our natural lives so that your supernatural presence would be obvious and visible to everyone we know. Let us see it this week, Lord, as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen.